2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I uh, was. Uh, this is one of, one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it uh, is the passage of Scripture that spoke to my heart uh, whenever we were praying about uh, being missionaries and uh, church planners and, in New Brunswick and we were seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance. And this was the, uh, the chapter that, that spoke to me as far as uh, going. And uh, we'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." Excuse me. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, and that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You for this opportunity. I thank You for Brother Jim and his ministry and what it's been and meant for me in my life, Lord. I thank You for this church, and, and I thank You for the opportunity to preach Your Word, Lord. How I love to preach and to study Your Word, God. I pray that You'll speak through me. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, your words would speak through us. I pray that You open our hearts and minds to Your Scripture and uh, close us from distractions. In Christ's name, Amen. Uh, starting in verse 1, I just want to go through and, and, and share a little bit of our burden and, and our testimony. I was saved when I was 8 years old. I uh, thought I was saved when I was 5 by just saying a few words. Got a little older, a little more mature, and uh, was in church all my life. My mom had us in church nine months before we were born. Everyone's heard the joke. And and uh, we we were in church, grown up in church, knew about the gospel message, knew about what Christ did for us. And at the age of eight years old, I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And at the age of 11, I surrendered my life to do whatever God wanted me to do. And He's called me into full-time ministry, and I praise the Lord for it. 
But when getting ready to go and, and praying about what the Lord would have us to do, even when we know clearly what God would have us to do, sometimes we can make excuses if we don't quite feel like that's exactly what we wanted to do. And uh, I remember when I felt like, uh, or I believe that the Lord was giving us, uh, gave us a burden for uh, this area in Shediac, New Brunswick, and and this area in Canada. And I, and when I was hearing about the need, uh, I know I started making excuses because that's what the flesh does. Starts making excuses. Well, I've got a good job here. I've got a good home here. My wife's family literally live within 20 minutes of each other. If you don't believe it, you should be at their house. Everyone comes in all the time. So they'll just come and visit aunts, uncles, great grandmothers, grandmothers. And I remember this is the passage that arrested my heart for, for the people in this area. And we see in verse one, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. What ministry is he talking about that we have? What is the Apostle Paul referring to here to the church of Corinth? Well, if we flip back to chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? And then later in the chapter, verse 17, tells us now the Lord is that Spirit. The ministry that we have as saved, born-again Bible believers is the ministry of the New Testament, which is the ministry of the Spirit, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the ministry that we are to bear about. Just because the Lord may not call some of us to be Sunday school teachers or some of us He may not call to be pastors or missionaries, we still have a ministry. And that's to tell a lost and dying world about what Jesus did for them. You see, Christ died on the cross and uh, 1 Corinthians tells us according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. He did that for us so that we may have an eternal hope which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We see that Christ is not only the New Testament is the ministry that we have, and the New Testament ministry that we have is to share the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter five, and I believe it's verse twenty, tells us that it's a ministry of reconciliation. Christ reconciled us to Himself. That should make us happy in Christ this morning. That Christ, who came and gave His life and died for us and rose again on the third day, was willing to give up all of that for us to be reconciled unto Himself. You see, Christ loves us. But not only does Christ love us, He loves the world. He wants everyone to hear this message. He wants everyone to know what He did for them. He tells us that seeing, therefore seeing we have this ministry, because we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. You see, as Christians, life can become wearisome, but you see, there's hope in that eternal destination. We are just travelers and sojourners here. We have an eternal home in glory if you're saved this morning. Now, if you're not saved, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there's another eternal home for you, and that is a place of torment called hell. It's a lake of fire and where the worm dieth not. We have a decision to make, but then after that decision, we have another decision, which is to tell others. 
But seeing we have this ministry, isn't it wonderful that seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy? And it's only by mercy that we can receive this ministry. We faint not. You see, in spirit, the verse tells us later on that the inward man is renewed day by day. We don't have to become wearisome in this world in spirit because of our eternal destination. But verse 2 says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That word commend we see again, and we see in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, where Jesus cried on the cross, Father, I commend into thy hands, I commend my spirit. He gave his spirit to the Father, the only person in history that could die of his own will. The only person in history that could give up his own life. You say, well, what about uh, suicide and things of that nature? Oh, you see, you don't give your spirit up. Your spirit is taken from you at death. But Christ Jesus gave up His spirit. And as Christ commended His spirit, gave up His spirit to the Father, look at what verse 2 tells us, that we are to commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We have a responsibility, friend. Church family, we have a responsibility to a lost and dying world to commend ourselves to the conscience of every man. We're to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. We live in an age of dishonesty and manipulation where pastors and teachers that are wolves in sheep's clothing and they try to manipulate God's Word to teach another gospel. But you see, there is no other gospel. Even in verse 13 of chapter 4, the same chapter, we having the same spirit of faith. There's not many spirits of faith. There's not many ways to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot get to the Father by Buddha or Confucius or by a priest or by someone that you speak with and you feel better about yourself. The only way to have eternal life is through Christ Jesus our Lord and to have that eternal destination and glory. But we have a responsibility as saved people to commend ourselves to the conscience of every man. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 in verse 8. We see that, but God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only did Christ commend His Spirit to the Father, not only are we to commend our spirits, our, our, ourselves, to the every man's conscience, but God commended His love to us. That's the reason why we are to commend ourselves to every man's conscience. Because, Christ, because God loved us. He gave us His love. He had the option to keep it from us. Christ didn't have to come die for us. We could have all spent an eternity in hell, but because of God's love for us, He gave it to us. It's a free gift. Because we have received that free gift as saved, born-again believers here this morning, if you have received that free gift, we are to share, we are to commend, we are to give ourselves to every man's conscience. Why? Verse 3 of Second Corinthians chapter 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. We should have a true burden for souls. 
We should have a true burden for the lost and dying world that is around us. Why? Because if our gospel be hid, we're not the ones that it's going to hurt as saved people. We know we're going to heaven. But it is hid to them that are lost. They don't know. You say, well, Romans tells us that that the, uh, the, the, that creation shows forth God. Yes, but it also tells us that unless someone hears the gospel, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, we have a responsibility. Why? Because verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You see, it's about Christ, church. It's all about Christ. Christ demands preeminence. Christ requires preeminence in the heart of every believer. When Christ is not preeminent in our life, we are no better than idolaters. Because when Christ loses preeminence, then there's something that has replaced Christ as preeminent, and that which we put before God is an idol. Christ demands preeminence. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. John chapter 3 and verse 30. He is preeminent. He must increase. I must decrease. It's not about us. We don't go witnessing. We don't tell our friends and neighbors about Christ so that we can have another notch on our belt. We don't tell people about Christ so we can report to the pastor how many tracts we handed out. We tell people about Christ because it's about Christ. Because of our love for Christ and because Christ loves the lost and dying world, we should love them as well. Verse 6 tells us, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, that earthen vessel, that is us. We have Christ Jesus, if we're saved, residing in us. The only, the only churches in, uh, and the only uh, believers in history that could claim that are those that came after Christ died. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon them and departed from them. We have the Spirit residing in us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're troubled on every side. And it, it interests me that Paul puts this in here because he, it's almost as if he says, because this is true, because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, because we have this eternal destination and glory through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul, someone who knew a little thing about persecution, Paul knew something about what it was like to be forsaken by this world to be cast down and to be persecuted by His own people, yet Christ was ever with Him. We should not be afraid to go out and tell, well, what happens if they reject me? What happens if I lose that friendship? Christ is to work in their heart. It is not our responsibility to save people, but to give them the gospel. Christ will save them if they believe. It's all on you. That's what individual soul liberty is. If you're here and you're not saved... No one can save, get, can, can save you for yourself. 
Christ can save you by your decision to follow after Him. He can save you by your decision to accept that free gift. There's no one here that can pray you in. There's no baptism that can save you. There's no wafer that you can take that can save you. There's no five-point system that you can follow that will save you. It's Christ in you, but Christ will not come in you unless you accept Him. Once we accept Christ, then we can say we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Verses 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Christ died, we have life. Because He died, we can live. We have an eternal glory, an eternal hope and glory with Christ Jesus knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn there if you will with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We see an urgency of the hour. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Very familiar passage of, of Scripture. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. Verse 16 with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort it is to the believer that we have this hope that one day Christ is going to come in the clouds and we are going to be caught up together with Him to meet Him in the clouds. But what a great fear it should bring upon anyone that doesn't know Christ that if that were to happen, you would be here and not forever with Christ. What, what, what great fear that should bring upon us as saved people to tell others or not a fear, more or less, but an urgency that it should give us to tell those that we know or that we believe or that the Lord has burdened our heart. You say, well, I don't know if they're saved or not. Well, why don't you ask them? You see, we have a responsibility, church. We can make excuses and, 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 we, can, and, and we can tell people, we can, we can come up with all kinds of excuses to, to not do something. There are many excuses to not accomplish something. But wherewithal will we find an opportunity to tell someone about Christ? Where will our burden be? Where is our heart's desire? Where is our zeal for a lost and dying world? We have a responsibility. You say, well, the Lord hasn't called me to Canada. He hasn't called me to Africa. No, but you have a community here. We have a community here. We have a home in Callahan and in Yuley and in Jacksonville and the surrounding areas of lost and dying people just like you have them here in Sydney. We need to have a, a fresh burden for lost people. We need to have a renewed vision for their souls. You say, well, I might have to go out of my way. I might have to get out of my comfort zone a little bit, so to speak. Growing up, I had a youth pastor that, that said that he used that term a lot, our comfort zone. And I know, especially as teenagers, when I was a teenager, you don't like to do things that require you to step out of where you're comfortable because you're in that, 
that stage where people are watching you and, and you've got your image to take care of. And you've got to make sure that you look good. Let me go ahead and tell you, as a 27-year-old, I'm almost 28, and my life reminds me every day how close I am to 30. But um, let me go ahead and tell you, young people, your image 10 years from now will mean this. 20 years from now, your image is this. What's going to matter 10 and 20 and 30 years from now is what you do for God. You say, well, what's it going to matter? Nobody's going to see me here on earth. It's not about what you do for people here on earth. You're not doing it for people here to give you recognition. Your name may never be in the bulletin. Your name may never be mentioned from the pulpit. But God sees and God knows that is the reward for the work that we have been given. We see in verse 17, Paul says, for our light affliction. Interesting to me that he called what he went through a light affliction. if, If you study out the Apostle Paul's life and you look through the things that he went through and and you look through the different steps that he took and and doing what's right for God, I believe he was, wasn't he stoned? He was, he was left for dead. He was beaten. He was, he, he had gone through so much persecution and yet he calls it a light affliction. We, we sometimes have someone make fun of us because we're a Joe Christian. That's nothing compared to what he went through and he called it a light affliction. Why? It's but for a moment. And it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Romans 8, verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18. We know Paul was a southerner because of this verse, I reckon. Amen. That's that's southern dialect right there. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not even worthy to be compared for what's coming. So our image matters not. Why? Because we're not building up treasures here on earth. We look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's what we're working for here, church. Friends, save people. We're working for that that home that's not seen, that treasure that's not seen. We're not working to build treasures here on earth. Yes, it's, it's, it, that doesn't mean that we don't want to take care of ourselves or that we don't want to have nice homes. But when that becomes the priority over Christ, then we have a problem. When that becomes the priority in our life, that's all we're working for. Then there's a bigger issue at hand. We are working for that which is eternal, but ultimately it comes back to it's about Christ preeminence in our life. If Christ is going to be preeminent in our life, if God is going to come first, then we are going to have a burden for lost people. Why? Because God does. God wants to see people saved. Christ died for the world. Not just for the few. Not just for people in the north or people in the south or people in Africa or Europe or Jerusalem. He died for the world. And yet there are more people... And it's uh, living now, because the, the population's always growing, am I not right? There's more people living now than there were in history. So that, to me, would mean that there's probably, most likely, 
more people unsaved now than in history. We have an even greater responsibility than, than Paul did to tell people because there's more people to tell. We have to have a burden for lost souls. If we have no burden for lost souls, then, 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 then that, that heart desire, you say, well, salvation isn't the primary theme of Scripture. And I understand that, but it doesn't make it not important. If it wasn't for salvation, where would you be? If it wasn't for salvation, where would I be? Where would our families be? My father passed away when, when I was 16. And uh, I, I, I wasn't... I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a gospel preaching church. And as I got older, it started changing a little bit. And so I wasn't as grounded in God's Word as, as Brother Dalton has helped me with. And I appreciate my church for that. Never take for granted the man of God and what he's doing for you and your family because it's important. I appreciate my pastor, but at 16, I wasn't as grounded in God's Word. So I remember getting mad at, at God. But then I remember mom telling us about when dad got saved. Telling us about... My mom didn't marry a saved man. He was unsaved when they got married. And she'll, she told... Uh, you know, that was mine and my sister's excuse. Oh, see, it doesn't matter. Y'all did all right. Y'all turned out okay. They're a rarity. Scripture says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But um, he got saved when I was two years old. So obviously I was too little. Mom was in the nursery with me. And uh, my dad wasn't a, a, a bad person by the world standards. We know there's no good men. There's no good person alive. But as far as the world standards, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't cuss. He was a kind-hearted person. But uh, he was lost. And I, I remember mom telling me about the, the night that he got saved. My uncle and some people in the church came down and said, Debbie, Debbie, you got to get upstairs. There's something going on. Something's happening to Ron. And I remember her telling me that when she got up there, he had already gotten saved and she could tell instantly a difference. From a man who, who wasn't by the world's standards bad, who that the world would look at and probably think, a lot of the people in the church probably thought he was a Christian. But he was lost. And he was on his way to a Christless hell. And then God saved him. You see, but I think about where would our family be if my dad hadn't gotten saved? The temptations that come up in life, the struggles that we go through, job loss and health problems. Where would we be without this? There's a lost and dying world out there that don't have this, that need it. It's our responsibility to take it to them. We'll pray and I'll turn it over. Pastor can close as he sees fit. I appreciate your attentiveness and, and your listening. I'm sorry for my uh, congestion, but well, let's pray and we'll turn it over to Pastor. Dear Lord, we thank You for this day and this opportunity to preach Your Word. Lord, I thank You for saving my soul. God, I thank You that I know where I can spend eternity. And I thank You that You've given us that opportunity to know. God, I pray two things, Lord, this evening that or this morning, that if there's someone here that doesn't know or that isn't sure, God, I pray that they will... Get short this morning. I pray that they will figure it out. I pray that they will surrender their heart to You and come to know You this morning. And secondly, Lord, I pray for our church members and our saved people that they will get a fresh burden for lost souls, for lost family, for lost friends. Work in us today, Lord, in Christ's name.